haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I tell you, I almost rage quit and quit like three times today. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you've been working a lot. A little too much. You've been working an awful lot. It seems like uh, more than eight hours a day for many days on end. Oh, here. yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Just so you can get time off. Don't you have PTO? Yeah, that started at 5 p.m. today. Oh, that's not good. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. don't get any overtime for the last two uh, hours uh-uh. of your life? Uh-uh. No? No. Okay. I mean, I, I'm assuming we shouldn't really get into the There's details. some after show material that <laughs> is very interesting. Oh, no. Our Patreon listeners have yet another after show of Will complaining about work. Oh, no, no. This is, you know, <laughs> this is Will building himself a golden parachute. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fascinating. That's a nice teaser. Yeah. Join the page for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hey, sorry about last week. Whatever. We had a you get what you get. Scheduling okay? conflict. Okay, hey, hey. That's what I always say, but relax. Don't get aggressive with the listeners just because you're in a bad mood now. I'm in a great mood. You can take it out on me. You're not in a great mood. I'm in a fucking wicked <laughs> mood. <laughs> you have a look in your eyes that tells me you, you are see, not in Do a you great see mood. the bags under my eyes? I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning tomorrow. Yeah, that's correct. You're going and to the wintry lands. all I really want to do is get absolutely shit-faced, and I know I can't. Oh, you totally can. No, I have to drive to the airport. Why? You're going to park your car there? Yeah. Why don't you take an Uber, man? What the fuck? I don't want to. What? Why? It's the same price. And do you know how much nicer it is to leave airport and then just go, ah, my car. You know, you can smoke in it. That's a really good point. You can yeah. fart it up, you know, after That's being, true. you know, it's it's nicer. Yeah, that does feel good. Especially from LaGuardia. The last time I took a cab from LaGuardia, remember it ended up on a median on Kent Avenue? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a little, little bit of pisted from that. Yeah. Well, that was the last time you took a cab from mm-hmm. an airport? Yeah. Well, when, when was that? That was like when we started this podcast. That was like was a long time the fifteenth episode of this show. Yeah, it was like three years a ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Wow, you really don't go anywhere, huh? I take my car to the airport. Oh, you you've been doing that now, as a matter of course. See, I don't I don't think I knew that. Like when I when we went to LA for Erica's wedding. Uh huh. Took the car. Drove to what's the what's the one with the dead president JFK. Um, so that way I could take people, you know, I was like, Ooh, okay. We're all on the same flight. Great. Mm-hmm. Everybody pile into Corolla and we're driving through McDonald's at one in the morning. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think the last time I went home to Ohio, maybe I took a car. I don't even think I, no, I think I drove. See, I've only done this once for when we went to Europe and it oh, was yeah. like a pretty good deal. And you also don't have to move your car while you're gone or get some. I took, oh no, I, l- I took a cab to go home for mother's day last year. I see. Yeah, okay. Because I didn't have to move my car. And I didn't want to burden you with the moving of my car. Yeah, it does kind of suck. It honestly does. It's hard enough to do that for one car. Yeah, So I've moved your car. It is a burden, but yeah. It's, you know, it's not so bad. It was better when it was once a week. It was way better when it was Twice a week, week. hoot nanny nonsense mm-hmm. can go get fucked. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, know. oh, so yeah. anyway, are you looking forward to your trip, though? Mm-hmm. Or are you just in a bad mood now? So, so. I have to, uh, apparently, I got a text from my mom that said, hey, I want to go on one of these drinking, hiking tours. And I said, excuse me. Ooh, drinking and walking? It was like, you in know, the, the vineyards, vineyards or like, uh, they have a lot of distilleries, like whiskey distilleries. I'm like, ma'am, you don't drink whiskey. This is a very Ohio thing now. Though. I know. It's an I, Ohio boomer thing. They like to do this. But I, I didn't realize walking was involved. I thought you just drove your fat ass out to the countryside. Yeah, and then you walk around. Sat in a place that looks like a brewery, but claims to be a distillery. Uh-huh. 
you know that's what i think it's gonna be and i'm like brown's game blaring in the background children probably running around and maybe you have a flight of fine bourbons yeah you know they're gonna suck ass but now you have to walk i don't know it said like trails really and i was like uh that's really not your thing have you ever had debonet wine no i don't know what they like have like blueberry shit and like strawberry wine Ooh, it's I'm like, like that episode of parks and rec with the blueberry wine yeah i'm like i'm not trying to do that with my mom you're okay? not in the mood to be adam scott with some blue lips no trying to scale fences <laughs> no oh man all but, the truths will come out at that point mommy like, though you i know have to, you have to do what mommy wants to do yeah and i'm particularly pavo you know this week really i don't know why i don't know what i did but that doesn't bode well well how are you working a lot and spending a lot of money usually those things don't go hand the money doesn't change when you're salary boy i understand that i'm not saying you're making more money but how are you spending it you've spent all your time at the mall yeah not i guess the mall is a place of commerce Mm -hmm. i did buy i did buy black jeans last week that was my big spender day and a salad for chick from Chick Fil A. No, I did not. You didn't cash in the bonus points for no, that. No, I, I have some racked to up to save a little money. No, 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 no. So you don't know the money's just disappearing. Are you it just online goes. shopping? No. What? I'm being good. I bought that candle. I had one spendy day. I bought a candle, mm. jeans, and you know, headphones because I left my AirPods at home. So I had to buy headphones to go to the gym. Oh, that's right. Because I, I already that. no, this is a, di- a new set. Oh my a God. corded pet pair um <laughs> that you had to bluetooth connect and i was like so why is there a cord yeah that sucks Stupid. there's no point in that it's like fuck my <sighs> yeah anywho wow um, you gotta just keep track of those headphones man they What's were char- going on well they were charging so i forgot to grab them from the charger uh, why don't you have a charger in your car and just leave them in there you should get two pairs of airpods one I for was- car w- <laughs> and one for home that well, way you're never without i was gonna get like one just to keep in gimbag that's a good idea. You should do that. It's worth it to do that if they're that important to you. If you're just going to buy bodega quality. You can't run with a corded headphones. headphone because the last time I did that, my phone fucking flew 14 feet behind me at four miles, four to seven miles per hour. I don't remember in Weston, Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. So I recently gave away my old AirPods to an unnamed individual who oh, was someone who was a cord aficionado. I know. Cord who the, aficionado. I know. Aficionado. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, they. Mm hmm are a convert now i told him i said i said listen no shit this is going to be a game changer it, you know and with all due respect they're very excited did you about clean it. them i tried my best There's to a, clean them i don't think you can really re-gift those because they get disgusting I, well listen this particular individual has shared a lot more than that with me I so know, yeah, it's, okay. there's really nothing uh-huh. to worry about I, I, we didn't need to say that we all knew already <laughs> i didn't need i don't need that you know this anonymous person uh-huh yeah um well, yeah, I tried to clean them, and then I started getting ads on Instagram. I don't know how Instagram knows what you're doing, because mm. I didn't say this out loud. Huh. You know, I just took the old Q-tip and, like, a toothpick. The toothpick yeah. was always my trick for cleaning the AirPods. Yeah, it's the only way. Yeah. Anyways, but somehow Instagram knows that, because it knows everything. <clears throat> and I started getting ads for a thing called the Pod Brush. Gross. And it is like a little Apple product. It kind of looks like a vibrator, to be totally honest. It's like a white tube with rounded ends, and you pull the rounded ends off, and there's different brushes in there that sonically vibrate and are supposed to clean your AirPods Have you seen thoroughly. a vibrator recently? That's not what they look like, my guy. Some vibrators just look like that, yeah, okay. definitely. They look, they look like a long finger, but rounder. Moving on. 
I don't, <laughs> I don't want to do that right now. I'm done. I, I, so I don't anyway, have the, the bandwidth the pod for that one. Brush, that, was, that was all I was trying to say. I started mm-hmm. getting ads for the pod, the pod brush. Oh. And it actually kind of looked like a good idea at the end of the day. Because cleaning the AirPods is tricky. Just go to town with, you know. I, I once had to like share AirPods for a thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, these are gross. I was like, hold on, let me clean them. I once had a coworker offer me her AirPod to no. like listen to something. And I was like, no. That's what disgusting. Fuck? That's no. great. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Uh-uh. Yeah. But anyway, I don't have to worry about that anymore because the, the pros have that rubber tip on there. Oh, yeah. And that just... keeps all the detritus out. Well, it'll yellow. Eventually. Yeah. yeah. But you get new ones, you know. Or you can just like, those you can just like soak. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Or just get new ones. Yeah, whatever. You know? Mm. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the AirPods, they're a popular thing. They're a popular oh, thing on this podcast, and oh, people God. tend to like them, and yeah, you should get a second pair. It's Well, I have the second pair that's just the bootleg ones, but I didn't mm. have the bootleg ones. I should just keep the bootleg ones in keep the car. Keep the bootleg ones in the car oh, or in the gym that's bag. smart. There you go. Huh. That's what they're ultimately for the anyway. The audio quality is so bad, though. I know. You should get the AirPod Pros for gym. Mm. They stay in your ears better. And then yeah, you can use I, the regular when ones I do for the, the sit rest up, of the time. The, the weighted sit-up machine, they like to fly all over the place. And I go, excuse me, I'm in the middle of something. And then I'm like, uh. Yeah. So yeah, anyway, man. your trip, you're going you're going to go to mm-hmm. the, the bourbon winery. Yeah. What else are you going to do? I don't know. You don't know? I Well, you know, got to hit up the outlet. Oh, that's true, yeah. The Aurora Premium Your outlets. favorite thing to do is, like you do here, you like to drive around and stay in traffic and perhaps go Hell to yeah, Target. Did. Oh, no, because I, well, I can't go to Target because I can't bring anything back. Why? Plane. Oh, plane. Plane. Fuck. Because I, I, I have like needs, and I was driving. like, I was like, I need like some paper products and some other bullshit, and I'm like, fuck, I can't take anything home. God damn it! Why don't you check a bag? Fill up an old duffel. No. And fucking check it, man. Check your paper With towels. Paper towels? Yeah. No, that's fucking insane. <laughs> Fifty dollars for no, absolutely not. Um, yeah. So I'm like, Ugh. man, you know, it's been a well notorious story over the course of the last year, but the airlines are all fucked up. I wonder if you're gonna hit you know a Buttigieg plug i got a text today from delta real that was like on the way hey just double check your flight stuff and i was like fuck everybody because it snowed there yeah i mean so i'm like fuck me it's I been can't. a disaster one one thing or another whether it's labor shortages or weather or they're having computer problems you know if i am at LaGuardia airport any later than 7 30 in the morning i will just go home i'll just be like we're done i'm done Call me when when you're ready. Yeah, I mean, you know, someone that recently traveled, not the someone from before, but a different someone. Um, what are you a whore? He. <laughs> oh, you're bisexual now. Okay. Oh, geez. As we know, you know, that doesn't exist. Mm, by now, gay later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But no, he uh, he had this problem where he had like an early morning flight, and then it got delayed, and then it got delayed again. And he was like, "Fuck it, I'll just leave," and he left the airport. And then they sent an email, but not an alert, that said, oh, actually, the flight is back to uh, the middle time. So it had the original time, the first delay, and the second delay. After the second delay, they said, actually, we're going back to the middle time and missed the flight as a result. I would say that's not my my problem. Yeah, I mean, that was his argument. They put him on a flight the next day, and, you know, he's trying to get money, but they don't fucking... Every time I've ever tried to argue with an airline, it's a fruitless task. I did get $750 once. Yeah. It was lovely. Good for you, yeah. That one time that they canceled my flight for no reason, and I had to drive to Ohio in the middle of the night, they wouldn't reimburse me (gasps) for it. 
and the fucking freeloaders that I took with me never paid me. So this is what you get for giving giving people anything. I know a random true. twenty bucks on Venmo. You, you know you can't do that. You can't do it. You know what? I, I think it adds up to good karma somewhere down the line. Just not in those particular instances. Mm-hmm. It'll come when I least expect it. All that'll come back to me. Huh? Yeah. I've entered the options trading game again, so maybe Jesus it'll come Christ. back to me okay. on February seventeenth at expiry, and. I'll have some sweet, sweet money. So let's see what happens on that that particular Friday and see how how you're feeling then. Well, I said I said Annan, we're either gonna have a really wonderful Valentine's Day dinner or after we're getting a QPC. After Valentine's Day. Well, it's Day? an options, man, so I'll probably sell it prior to expiration. You don't really want to hold those things through expiration. You might get assigned. Mm. Anyways. But okay. I'll find out that week is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I was not an insignificant amount of money, so Hopefully it goes. Do you just want to go to a casino? <laughs> I feel like we should just go to a casino. No, see the thing is, I do like casinos and I do like gambling, but I like I like doing the Robin Hood thing from time to time because I am a little bit of an autist and you get to research random things and then you get to You can also count cards like a normal. Nah, it's a little boring though, you <clears> know. <throat> I get that there's a lot of variations within the system, but the system itself is pretty <sighs> simple. Jesus. I like to analyze macroeconomic trends, announcements from the Federal Reserve, Rates of inflation, particular companies, you know, really get into their balance sheets, find out what their P.E. ratio is, you know, (sighs) track the 200-day moving average, perhaps the MACD, you know, all of these different indicators. I get to look at little graphs. Where's the soundboard to play Hello Darkness right now? (laughs) And little numbers. I need that right now. And it's a lot of fun for me. And then I get to anxiously watch for weeks as my money disappears. Yeah, you fucking crazy, (laughs) psychotic person. See, I well... I tried the sports betting thing, but that's too instant to lose. Um, I, uh, yeah, well, I just, you know, famously, it's about that time of year where I get to talk about, I did my taxes already like a psychopath. You did? Yeah. Wow. But they weren't ready to file for some reason. The IRS wasn't ready when I was done. Yeah. Was like, Excuse me. You know, I'm it done was though. Really confusing this season because I got, you know, the annual notification from TurboTax or whatever that's like filing is open. And I was like, okay, great. And I did a little dry run just to see what I'm working with here. And then like a week later, I got a thing that was like, the IRS isn't quite ready yet, but they're yeah. almost there. And then a week after that, it was like, finally, you can actually yeah, yeah, do yeah. it. And I was like, wait, it's the end of the month. The 19th, they, the fi- they find, finished like a self-employed form or something like that. Is it like that every time? I never do my taxes in January, so I never know, but... I do my taxes as soon as I fucking can, because I'm like, give me my money back, because I never withhold... You know, I never give myself enough money. So I'm always like, give me my money back. Give me my money back now. Yeah. Um, And But the moral of the story, normally, you know, I just do the normal thing. I didn't spend that much money on studio, because, like, oil paint lasts forever. You're like, whatever, and I didn't make that much. Whatever. Um... So, you know, part of doing your taxes is doing also just reflecting on everything you spent money on because you're looking at every statement. Yeah. And because I rarely pay cash. I'm like, oh, I can plot my year. And I was like, I did a lot of travel last year and for art, you know, went to L.A. ostensibly for art, possibly a vacation, too, but did go to an art thing. Yeah. So, That's hey, true. You did hey, do that. did do it. Um, and then D.C. That's true. A lot too. of tolls. Right. Hotel. Right, you know, Philly tolls to go to the last gasp of um, Jasper Johns. Yeah, because I was like, why the fuck are my tolls all the fuck all crazy? I was like, oh yeah, wrote those off. You know, like I was like, ooh, there was a lot of things, and it was all related. It was all research. 
Very true. Research. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So 2022 I, was a big year for personal travel, I have to say. Usually I spend my travel doing family things, and I did very little of that, and it was all things like that. Yeah, it was all... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So did you end up getting in there, nitty-gritty, and writing all that stuff off? Oh, fuck yeah. Wow, you're probably going to get a fuck ton of money back then. That's several thousands of dollars. What? That's a huge number. Yeah. Damn, dude. I, I, that would make me nervous. That's so much that I'd They like, said low. I said okay. Your audit risk? Yeah. Do you sign up for the professional in case you get audited? Absolutely not. I That's did that one year. No, well, I did that one year mm. because it was such a high number mm. of return that I was like, I'm too nervous to encounter this myself. I'm going to let TurboTax handle this. Well, here's, here's the fun fact. The number that I flashed at you was the exact amount that I made less than 2021. So I said, that's fair. I don't understand what that means. I made less Rephrase money that. in 2022 than I did in 2021. So I said, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, I see. So you were just evening it out. I said, oh, absolutely the fuck not. Now, let's say hypothetically, because you didn't do anything uh, gray area or illegal. Definitely not. No, no, no. But let's say you just did a standard like W-2 style return. Would be your like amount- two grand. That's a lot. So you do, well, I, don't, I never know how to p- select this correctly everything on your that, forms. Everything that I wear to work, which is almost all of my clothing, I also deduct. Mm. And computer stuff, because I have to pay for it out of pocket. I see, I see, I see. And some of it, I didn't, sub- a lot of it, I didn't, exp- you know, submit expense reports and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess I always thought I was pretty bold, but I'm not as bold as you. Even though, I mean... It's oh, not even that bold. There are people who yeah. write off way more and get... You know, to just get their taxes to zero. Yeah. Because they don't pay tax. Like, think of actual artists. Oh, absolutely. Just trying to get the number to zero. Almost everybody's trying to get the number to zero. I'm trying to get that number up. Right. Which is where the the risk comes in, I think. Yeah. I do that too. Hey, you know, it is what it is. I I was just reading. For all intents and purposes, remember that drawing that I sold for $400? Yeah. Great. Good. Right. There you go. You sell one thing and then you can kind of. Definitely yeah, I definitely, fuck I definitely sold it. I forgot it, yeah. I sold art too. Yeah, you could. This is why you got to do it. You know, I was on. You the f- take the you yeah. take the bump up of like I should owe taxes, so then you can write off more. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I forgot about all of that because I was really on the fence about whether or not to do the self-employed this year since my studio was intermittent at best. But you paid a lot for it. That's true. I did and do that. You paid to travel. Well, and when I did my uh, hypothetical dry run through TurboTax and realized that my actual return for my real job was going to be two dollars. Oh fuck that! I said, okay, we're gonna have to reevaluate. We're getting that Schedule C. F- fire that bitch up. Every job I've ever had, maybe it's because I select the wrong zero or the wrong one on your original form that you fill out or whatever. I they always do their accounting perfectly. Every job I've ever worked, I've never gotten like a W two <sighs> return. It's always just. Like, perfectly break i don't know if i like i don't do any withhold like i don't do any personal withholdings from government but see i didn't realize that your initial 2k came from other deductions for work i don't really have similar i can't really do that it's all got to come from the art space only Mm. i don't have work deductions my work basically covers everything yeah you don't because you don't have a uniform uniform technically i don't have a uniform Ah, you do though. But I, I think have yours to. Is fun. Yeah. So, yeah. like, we've, you know, we in retail land, we're like, well, what are we gonna do? Not wear stuff. We have to look you a certain to. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, that's fine. And if you know, if you kept every laundry receipt, you could write that off too. Well, I guess so. Yeah. Hmm. You can't go in looking all shabby, and we don't have, you right, know. facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the thing that's gotten in my head though, I've, I've 
done very little looking into this, so I have no idea the actual veracity of it. But there's been a lot of headlines saying IRS that IRS like, likes to audit low earners. Bi- Biden has hired like a ton of IRS agents, whereas cool. uh, Big Daddy Trump slashed it all. Mm. And they're, they've been covering this on breaking points a little bit too, so I have heard a little bit about it. But it's like, yeah, they're basically pretty transparently going after lower income people. Just because, you know, it's a bad look for corrupt politicians to audit rich people. They just can't do that or they're not going to get donor money. Yeah. So <clears throat> they're just targeting like under 150K. And it's really undermined my whole like gray area tax thesis because I read in a book one time that if the cost of the audit is higher than actually doing the it audit, they be. won't do it. Yeah. But it doesn't seem like that's true anymore. How you know, little are we paying auditors? Probably not that much, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like a low-level accountant working for the government, somebody right out of school just trying Making to get a 50K. line on the resume. Yeah. Exactly. They're probably not paying them that much. And, you know, if they're doing things like, oh, you have to claim your Venmo transactions now yeah, and you your crypto yeah, and shit, no. like, yeah, they're they're trying to fuck everybody up. So, I don't know. It's made me a little more scared than I used to be, especially because I'm long past the five-year hobby mark, which is, I have oh, no same, idea yeah. also if that's apocryphal or not, but that's knows, just the yeah. thing that everybody says. It could be an urban legend for all I know. But that, yeah, that if you have a all you have to do is unprofitable. If someone business. questioned it, you would have to just show that you were actively like, you know, engaged in it and promoting it and doing all that. I which don't. You think are. That's all you would have to do. Well, uh, and I don't think that what artists consider engaged in it and actively promoting it qualifies as a business. Even. Uh, well, yeah. You know what I mean? Professional artists go through audits all the time because their taxes look very suspicious when they're making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars and they have no employees and very little overhead. Right. People are like, this is drug money yeah. and laundering. And, you know, they get hit with it all the time because it, it's a weird industry where, yeah, like you don't really have to do that much promotion even at a high level because your gallery does it. Yeah. Maybe you have a social media page, but it's like everybody's an influencer now, so that doesn't really right. mean anything. Like I really think if you got hit with an IRS audit and you – they went through the last like 10 years of your taxes and were like, what is this the whole time? I don't think you have a leg to stand on, honestly. But you, mm, one does not. I'm not just single. Most, you most of the time, though, like if you think about it, like I'm still get I'm just scraping whatever. And a lot of it comes from like interest on student loans and stuff like that. You know, a lot of it is mostly that it's just when you plug in studio rent, it just jumps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, well, that's the bare minimum that I would have to spend. So what what can you do? And they'd be like, well, do you need that? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, I guess the other cope at the end of the day is if that you if you did get audited and you got hit with a big back taxes bill and a bunch of penalties, you'd just work with them on a payment plan and you would end up paying less than what they asked. Yeah. And I also, you know, you I know, maybe never, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Although I don't know, never it accumulates. For, never forget, I did pay them once almost five thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. When I was making $28,000. I know, but what I'm saying, you do realize that most people pay them every time. <laughs> like, those, it's those very people... rare that well into your 30s, you're not owing money. <sighs> that's very because, rare. Well, like, because I loan them money most of the year. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. also probably why I don't get audited, because I'm like, hi, you want that pretty, pretty loan? Well, that... I don't, you know, I don't think anybody's looking at it with that level of granularity, man. But in the aggregate, maybe, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, I'll be like, no, 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 give me all my shit up front and you don't get any fun money from me. Yeah. I'll make it zero. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. But, you know. Yeah. Anywho. Anywho. You know, I have follow-up from two episodes. Well, I guess one One, episode ago from before the break. Mm -hmm. 
We should do a break from time to time, by the way. We should just institute that. Most podcasts do it over the holidays. Yeah. And we powered this right was, through this the This was our holiday. Yeah, it was. I think January was the time to be like, enough. I think it's good. I think it's good every once in a while to miss an episode. We're pretty disciplined. Because well, most of the time during holiday, everybody takes a break, so there's nothing to listen to. That's true. And we provided a service. We do get a lot of listeners over the holidays. Did not, we? Yeah. I looked at the metrics. It wasn't great. It's not great. Mm. But it's it's usually more yeah, around yeah, the yeah. Christmas season, because you're right. There's not Nobody else nobody comes else out with anything it, yeah. for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I have follow-up from that prior yeah. episode, because the Cubism show, I went and saw yeah. it. Do you want to front-load it while I go... On your recommendation, yeah. um, I, I can try. I mean, I, I really only have reactions to things that you said, so I do oh kind Lord. of need you for this segment. I'm just going to pause. Hey, don't yell at me. Jeez. Man, I got a fucking I got a fucking badger in the house over here, folks. I got a honey badger. He's tearing up the house. He's angry. And now he's eating all the food in the kitchen as I speak. And now he's drinking my wine, actually, which is even a worse problem. But, hey, I had your drink the other night, so What's you're allowed it? one glass. I thought I had two beers in there, and I had one, and I said, oh, no. Well, you yeah. might need to make a little trip to the store, because this is supposed to last me. How long? It's a liter of wine. Yeah. So, like, what, six hours? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen what you do to bottles that large. I, you know, I'm going to pour one schmedium adult glass because I'm... You have to be responsible. I'm a lady. You have to get up, have to get up in yeah. the morning. Yes. Anyways. Okay, Cubism okay. and Trump Lloyd. Cubism. Yeah, apparently you Redux. love fucking Juan Gris now. And I I'm really like, do. Okay, you're yeah, wrong. But that's the main thing I want to address because the show overall, first of all, your recommendation was good. It's a good show. And we got feedback and from listener Ulrika, who actually, uh, I'm sorry, who also liked it. Yeah, because it's a great fucking show. It's closed now, so sorry, kids. You can't go. Yeah, so it's over now. And you know what's funny? I was doing a little combing through the Times and the Arts publications today. Nobody fucking wrote about that show. Um, I was shocked. David Jocelyn wrote an article in Art Forum that ended oddly. Oh, uh, Sean Tuttle yeah, yeah. reposted that. Yeah, I did see it, yeah. that a while back. I read that and went, huh? That was before I saw the show. Yeah, they. Yeah, I have a lot to say about art writers, as always. But well, uh, anyway, so yeah, it kind of flew under the radar, but it was a great show. Mm-hmm. I liked it. You were right about all the all of the um, major points, like the way it's laid out, pretty minimally. It's just organized by clear themes. It's just clear. literally, like the themes. I don't remember what you said on the episode, but I was like laughing to myself while I was in there because one of them was just things on tables. And I was like, this that's what I told you. It was things best. on wall, things on table, <laughs> yeah. things on desk, whatever the fuck it is. It seems like a joke because it's so low effort that it's like really good. Though. No, but it's clear. It's yeah. like we are not obfuscating <laughs> shit. It's stuff on a wall. And you're like, yeah, that was a, that because that was a trope. Mm-hmm. So we're doing stuff on a wall. The only other broad takeaway that I had that I I didn't think deeply about, so I wonder what you think about this, is uh, as obvious as it is, because they're always doing like still lives of guitars and things with musical notes, I never really realized how much music related to Cubism before. I always just took it for granted as like easy subject matter, but I didn't really like look at that carefully. And they kind of dwelled on that in several of the rooms in there. Yeah, I guess. And that it was always a part of that tradition. And that there was something about like opticality versus like acoustics that i didn't i couldn't quite put together in my head but sheet music is a thing that looks the graphic quality of it is fantastic 
Sure, you know, and especially when they're collaging things into paintings, of course, yeah. they're going to incorporate that. You know, and unlike you, I read the wall labels a lot. I don't know her. So yeah. I learned a cool thing. I think it was a Wong Gree painting, but it may have been a Brock. It was one of those two. That um, there was like a representation of a sheet of music in it that was painted, not collaged, and the music on it was purely invented uh, mm. by the artist. So it's a real song that is playable. It's not nonsense yeah. music, but it's not a, like a known thing. And it made huh. me very curious: what does that actually sound like? Like, I want someone to bust out a recorder and figure and like recorder. play the notes. You know? Yeah. F A G G A F. <laughs> I hate you so much. Um, I mean, you know, like this. It the the show also. Did you notice that it kind of shart uh, sharts off? Um, it starts off with like the the caning chair caning as the first like material in a lot of the the flat surfaces. Uh, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really dwell on that. It's but like yeah. in the second second or third room where they're like, okay, the first thing where we stick it on because it's very graphic in of itself so they it's easy to paint just lines and shit sure sure and there's a very famous picasso painting with like the rope frame that incorporates chair caning i believe in that mm. room yeah. yeah maybe um but you know you just kind of it's all like you get like the vibe of lifestyle like because the whole idea of like it's just flattening and exploding all at the same time yeah and you're just like oh no this is a slice of life you know it's many many slices of life simultaneously yeah what about the chair caning is like particularly interesting to well, you? Of like you know the cafe culture of that sure. turn of the century bullshit like where it's like out of comes out of that late or early modern thing of like parisian night scenes yeah right right. you know right. and it's kind of a send-up of that like or it seems a little jokey they're like hey you want to sit around and drink red wine and smoke all night all right we're gonna use that yeah you know uh, i i, I I always try to remember when I'm looking at historical art in general, but particularly stuff that's heavily referenced, like cubism, because, you know, the entremploi, really, like the device of using like fake wood grain or fake marble or fake chair caning or fake music is so prevalent in all art just as a reference to previous art more than it is as a reference to something in reality. I always try to keep in mind that like that stuff that they were using at the time was contemporary. Right. We would now say modern because it's in the past, but at that time it would be the same as using like an IKEA frame in your painting now. Yeah. Which nobody does. People and, do, but we did it in we called that Bushwick art in 2010. You know, it, it it makes appearances like I I can't remember if it was on the last episode or a remember spray foam more distant one, but like Michelle Malier is always the example I think of of doing yeah. those like Nintendo sixty four yeah, paintings yeah. in the nineties. It's like now they look retro and cool, but at the time they would have looked jarring in their like hyper real capitalism, right? Mm -hmm. And and the same thing with the chair caning and all of this stuff in the early twentieth century when cubism was around. That was like seen in the i don't know in the hipster sense right like uh, iconography it wasn't that like, was their that was their bangs over eye yeah it wasn't yeah. like a it wasn't like a histo a cool like dated retro established aesthetic it was like it's around around yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. it had it had a different meaning at the time but anyway that brings me to Wong Gree. yeah who i couldn't believe you thought was the least good yeah, of the three that are represented in that show, because he was obviously the best. No, by far. No, and I and I can defend this. Mm. First of all, compositionally, he's the best of the three by far. 
he tightens up the compositions where they have this solidity. Like he makes the forms contact the edges in a way that makes the entire painting engaging. Whereas Picasso and Brock do this thing that a lot of bad paintings do, where they do the explosive gesture in the middle and then they fuss around at the edges. And every single Picasso and Brock, with a few exceptions, is basically a collaged element or two and some paint in the middle with charcoal shit on around the sides. Uh-huh. The painting is not engaged as a whole surface. The still life sits in the middle and there's some vacuous space around it. Yeah. The Wong Grease are always contacting the edges at points of tension and the forms in them are a little bit bigger and more deliberate they're not just this tiny chopped up space they're uh larger slices of the bigger picture and the flatness of the picture and the just the overall sense of it is got a better gestalt always yeah but more dynamic this is why i think it's bad i don't think the point of that kind of you know this is why i was like you know there was a phrase that used to be used, you know, when we were, when we were, we, we lads, you know, flower arranging. Yeah. And like, this is where like the one, I'm like, Oh, you know what? Like, yeah, they're, they are impeccable in their composition, right? The grease are impeccable. I don't think the point of that period of cubism is impeccable composition. That's where I think, you know, he gets a little lost in the sauce where I'm like, I want the like splat in the middle and like, because that's related to how, like optical focus and that kind of thing of how you see the world. You can focus on one thing and things are, you know, sliding doors. Gwyneth Paltrow is going to open one and she's in the middle and something's going to change, you know? Uh, yeah, I think I don't want it all around. I think all aroundness is too poetic and no, too like, no, 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 no. But I, I, I want to give you a little bit of leeway because I think you have part of a point there, but what I'm not talking about is all aroundness because the 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 Wang Gri compositions are not like they're not like arbitrary. They're no, not they're scattered. staged very specifically within the painting. They're right. not about they're not like about staging a scene that you're looking at. No, no, no. But they are stayed. They're very aware of the borders of the object. Mm-hmm. You know, which is like that's its own kind of like marvel in and of itself. But, like, do I think that that's the point of doing that kind of work? No. I, you know, I I don't think it's about this. I'm trying to be generous about this because I understand what you're saying in the sense that, like, you know, it was called analytic cubism for a reason at that time. These were, like, studies of a particular phenomenon contained in a particular way, right? Like, when Picasso and Brock invented this, it was revolutionary for that reason. But... Wang Gri was just like, oh shit, I can take this and do this with it. He was a stylizer. And every yeah. and every time it was a different thing. His are the only paintings in there, for example, that have an actual sense of time and location. Like you can tell this one's an outside scene. You can tell this one's a night scene. You can tell this one's a morning scene. They're actually impacted by the reality of a situation ironically, whereas the Picassos and Brocks are constantly a table in a cafe or a studio. Yeah. They are never about anything more specific than that, which I I suppose you could argue they're trying to make a point that would be distracted from by adding these additional elements, right? Well... (sighs) It's just I don't really understand what that point is exactly or why that's needed. Well, it's also like why include time of day? They're like, that's not... That, again, it bellies the idea of, like, that's not the point. We don't care what fucking time of day 
it is. Like, what's the matter at hand that we're dealing with? Yeah, but I don't like the idealism, I guess, to be critical of that analytic style of um, taking a situation and saying that this exists in an abstract way. Like, the way your vision works works exists independently of the world around you when you're making a painting. You can basically contain it within a table and a studio, because what it doesn't matter. The point of this is to show you how your eyes function within space, not to show you what space you're in. Yeah. But, like, those two things are not are inextricable to me. And I think Wang Gris brilliance was like, yeah, they're inextricable. Well, maybe so he you, was less of a narcissist than the other two. I think so, probably. I also think he was probably less of an academic. He actually yeah. seemed like he was having fun. Like, even the way yeah. he uses collage is a lot more a impressive yeah. and varied yeah. the papers that he uses and the way he incorporates them into compositions it's a sensuous kind of thing which yeah. you know like i'll grant it that like you know the blue papers he, he does it very well never never bad but like when you do a double take on it you're like because you know immediately i'm like oh that's a good one and i'm like you scan the room. You you know what? I take it back. You you suck. Get in lo- get in the back of the line. You know. Uh, you know. I think from outside, the way I'm seeing your point. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is that I think from outside the context of the show, we, I'm going to set aside Brock for a second because he's also minor. But if you take Picasso, and you take him outside the context of the show, you go, oh, this was just one phase of a very broad and impressive career. You know, he moved through a lot of different styles on his own for yeah. various reasons and mastered a whole bunch of them, which is rare in art. I think Brock does rooms better than tables or floors. He's a specialist, sure. Yeah. But so, but the thing, I, you know, I don't know enough about Wangri's later career to really say, but I would imagine that he got kind of stuck in this mode, that he was very good at doing this one basic thing. And with you know, some certain evolutions probably just continued to do it forever. Yeah. In the same sense that Brock basically just continued painting rooms with, ironically, more and more color and more and more, more style stuff, yeah. as time went yeah. on. You know, he realized what his lane was and he stuck to it. I think Wang Gri just found his lane like right away, which is interesting. But yeah. in the in the broad scope of art history is less interesting. Yeah. It still would qualify him as a minor artist, but I can see in his work so many... Um, later derivations right. that I find it way more compelling than maybe Picasso because Picasso's like the macroeconomics of the situation. Sure, he was influential on a lot of movements in a very broad way, but Wang Gri is influential on like certain artists and certain strategies in a really particular way. Yeah. That, that it's a little bit more appealing to me, probably because it's more es- esoteric. Mm-hmm. So I'm meeting you halfway here, which is yeah. to say like I still think those were the best paintings in the room, but that doesn't mean he's the best artist in the room. Yeah. If we're going to make that distinction. I I think that's fair. I think like again, that's why like some of them you look at it and you're like that's good. And then you It's the logic of the show though that makes you know makes you do the compare and contrast because that's the that's the third theme. It's the Parari or whatever, right? The comparison. Mm-hmm. So when that triggers in your brain of like, we are looking between things, you know, not only just like the objects that they were looking at, but also like that was the point of the looking and the composite, you know, the, oh, the whole thing was comparison, right? Then that triggers, you know, something in my brain of like, yeah, actually start to look around and compare and like, you know, either be a connoisseur or be a learned person and just actually make judgments of like what actually works according to the theme of, of the room or whatever. And also in terms of who is better at it, at what they were trying to achieve in that moment in time. 
Uh, well, that's the sticking point for me is I think that that's a little more fluid than you're allowing. Oh, it, uh, sure. But like, you know. And I think in the context of the show, you might be right. Because the the criticism I could make of Wang Gri or this, this, a Steel Man version of your argument would be, I think you could take almost any of those Wang Gris and put them in almost any of the rooms. And the theme would There's still no apply. Sp- yeah, it's not specific. Whereas the, the Brocks and Picassos are like more particular to the way that that thing was organized. They're, they're like the anchor points from a curatorial perspective to kind of lead you through this progression. And to make sense. His work doesn't matter as much to the themes, yeah. Yeah, and to make... Because what's his relationship to Trump Loy? That's where it gets a little nebulous. The other two, I'm like, you know, you guys, you're doing it. Well, although, no, you know, that's not fair because... Those Spanish painters do it better than I don't know because some of some of the stuff that was going on in the Wang Gri paintings was a lot more ambitious you could argue whether or not it worked as well but in terms of the way that he collaged things in like he's one of the first instances where like a photograph of another painting ever appears in art history Hmm. anticipation of Rauschenberg anticipation of all pop art really you know like he's uh, one of the first people ever in art history to incorporate a mirror into a painting like he had broken shards of mirror in one of his paintings like the way he was engaging with the trump lawyer tradition i think was more advanced in a certain sense i don't think that was really materially yes his intention but yeah, yeah. his material exploration is the through line and, that, and why he's probably more interesting to somebody like me is like it's just more fun man from like an art making perspective um I can't take a lot of away from the Picassos or the Brocks for my own purposes, but from the Wangries, I was like, "Holy shit, this is a gold mine of theft." Oh, <laughs> I, I was looking at all the wallpaper and like, I'm thieving from this shit. I don't really need the boys here, you know. Well, and as I mentioned on the last episode too, it's like, and just a minute ago, it's like you can just see his work and Charlene on Hile is just like all over that shit, or rather, he's all over her work. Well, yeah, yeah. Have, I, have you seen a good one of hers lately, though? I feel like no. Is that bad? Uh, she reached her she reached she, her apex about 10 years ago. She, she chose her lane and said, thank you. I did Snake Eyes and I'm done. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, but, you know, those paintings look kind of dated in a funny way to talk about her for well, a second. Well, then she went to like, Marfa and was like, I'm retired. The like, ones okay. she does now are a lot weirder and uglier, which I actually think is sort of her origin, kind of like coming out of Albert Ullin and like yeah. the German bad painters. It's sort of interesting to see her do that again. Like these weird ones she does with like smushies and bowling pins. Like, yeah. I don't really love them, but they're like they unlike sense, yeah. anything I've ever really seen right. before, which is cool. Yeah. That's always good. Well, because she was doing just like throwing her voice in her own work for a long time, I thought. That's true. You're right. Like when she had that show at the ICA, it was a great show, but that was stretching the. I'm, I'm talking about after that. Yeah, after that, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The stuff in that at the f- Hirshhorn. Mm, oh yeah, yeah. Well, you know, mm. and Marfa paintings are bad. Okay, I don't change of subject now. Yeah. Uh, did you, by any chance, read Roberta Smith's article? I don't know if it was from today or recently. The answer is going to be no. About Philip Gustin and the Met donation. What? Okay, so Philip Dustin, Gustin's daughter, uh-huh. Philip Dustin. That was a Freudian slip for the Rutgers heads out there. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Um, Philip Gustin's daughter uh-huh. donated her entire collection, which I'm imagining is basically the estate, mm-hmm. leftover estate of Gustin, to the Met, mm. which is something in the neighborhood of 100 paintings and 200 drawings. It's like a, Ugh, it's like a it? huge donation. Okay. The also, new- is Hauser pissed at her? They're like, excuse me, we wanted to sell that. Probably, but also, hey, that's going to juice the prices. You know what I mean? Takes a lot off the market forever. And puts them in a prestigious institution. They at de-accession the same time. them to 
make up reparations for that's part of the deal. Uh, so the deal is until that, she dies, and then who fucking cares? Right, well, the deal is that they get all these paintings, and that for uh, they can never deaccession any of them, and for fifty years they must always have a minimum of twelve Gustin paintings on display at the Met at a time. What the fuck? Where Gustin works anywhere? It's was one of the stipulations that they we gonna put those works on paper somewhere in the hallway something like that this this does not have to be a Clifford Still situation I was where gonna they say get it's their a little silly yeah they don't have to be in the modern section I think it'll be cool because what they'll probably do with a lot of them is like you know how they have the token Elenitsoy in the Africa section constantly maybe <sighs> yeah. you know maybe we'll shove Augustine in Japan or you know what you know what I'm saying it wouldn't make any sense just whatever I do, I'm all I'm trying to give is an example of They'll be around, which will yeah. be kind of interesting. I always like it when people do the historical and uh, more contemporary pairings. That's always fun. Whether you like I it or not. I tire of it. I, it's always novel, but I'm like, I think I'm over it. I'm like, we get it. History happened. I'm like, we don't, we we know. I'm not a fucking moron. Well, that's fine. But I, I always think that's at least a little bit exciting. You know, you're walking through, you're walking through yet another room of like boring old masters you've never heard of. And there's Augustine next to one. You yeah, might but, stop and look. But like, do you know how annoying it is to go to the Frick and then there's like a faggy painting? Like a Dorn Langberg's just, you know, where... Uh, I think you're more annoyed by the faggy contemporary art than you are by the pairing. It just shouldn't be there. <laughs> it okay. just shouldn't be. You know, when I when I'm when I you know, when I give the eighteen dollars to go to Frickland, I just want to ride the rides. I don't want a bump in the road, you know? Understood, yeah. So anyway, they're they're giving all these paintings to the Gus to the fuck. They're giving all these Gustin paintings. Why isn't there a Gustin Foundation with a Gustin the Museum? They should just do that. I don't know why. Is she like not cheap that? and she's like, I don't know, just put it at the Met. I don't know. What did they? What she do? Give them like the ugly gray ones from the sixties. Who knows, man? I hate to be too cynical about it because I do think at the end of the day it's mostly a good thing. Which mm. I'll get back to that point in a second. Mm. But who knows? To be cynical for a second, what their fucking machinations are. Who knows? Yeah, sure. She's given them three hundred. Maybe she's holding back fifty for herself to. So when oh, the prices are juiced, yeah. yeah, that she's going to give them to Hauser and fucking retire on clean up. Yeah, well, whatever. Who knows what the hell's going on with it? Who knows if the Met lobbied for this? I have no idea. That is not beyond. Is the Met trying? I mean, the Mets. Here's the thing. You 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 know, there's a lot of repatriation problems at the Met right now. They are like, oh fuck, we bought, or we were given or bought a lot of problem things. Yeah. They are getting sued left and right. There's an olive painting that was stolen from a Jewish family that they deaccessioned in the 70s. That now someone is just like up in arms about, and is like, give me the th- fucking. Forty thousand dollars or whatever. Well, it's such a shame because all this stuff ends up being cynical. It's like they got ri- for for example, they got rid of that painting in the seventies, right? Like, what does this have to do with the Met? This no. many years later, yes, I'm sorry it was stolen and that we were gifted it and maybe overlooked that at the time or didn't know it. Like, well, they knew. Well, that's why they sold it on the cheap to just be like. Maybe that's hansies. why they sold it. Maybe that's not why they sold Who it. Who knows? Those people don't work there anymore. The and they're point long is, dead. it just doesn't have anything to do with them anymore, and it's an obvious cash grab in a certain political environment well, to like go after a museum with a huge endowment in order to siphon off some of it for victim points it's like all right honestly what are we doing here but i get it you know what if i was that family i'd probably do the same thing because you're not going to get it back from whatever saudi bought it or whatever the fuck you know what honestly, i'm saying I think that's actually where it ended up so and you're yeah, not going to get wrong. any money from them either because you're not going to take it to international court and good luck They'll Jamal Khashoggi, you'll throw you in a fucking wood chip. Are you calling Interpol? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? Nothing. 
So you're gonna do you're gonna do what you can to you know in the American litigious environment just get your class action lawsuit or whatever. It's giving a little bit of like hot coffee at McDonald's. Yeah. So anyway, Roberta's article okay is lays all this out, explains uh-huh. what the situation is, and then goes on to complain that the museum is absorbing all these paintings when really what they should be doing is getting more works by uh, black and women artists. And I was like, okay. Carl, just take the free shit. Here's the thing. Yeah, why would a museum... Take the free shit. First of all, why would a museum ever decline a donation like this, right? Never. You wouldn't. just take it. From a major artist, you would just take it. And, like, the idea that it's actively, like, taking up space that they could otherwise use is They only have one good Gustin. Who cares? This was one of the things she did in the article that bothered me so much. She was like, they only own two Joan Mitchell paintings, but now they're going to have 300 Gustins. And it's like... Joan Mitchell's son. It's not a contest. Joan Mitchell's foundation or gallery could give a bunch of paintings to the Met, and they would also take those. Like, the idea that they would be like, no, we don't want the Joan Mitchells. All the good Joan Mitchells are in D.C. It doesn't fucking matter. They're at the National Gallery. All of these people have their own things, you know? And and it just so happens that it went here. But why would a museum whose task is to archive and catalog things like this ever turn it down on the basis of identity? That's silly. That's just ridiculous. You don't do it. No, you don't. And why we, is she trying to score some points? What did she do? She I dropped the N bomb or something recently. I don't know. Jerry probably did something. <laughs> but the other thing is, why the, the the reason that I know that this is a cynical clout chasing article is mm. because you're an art critic. You've been in this world a long time. I know you know how these things work. Why would you argue that one of the best environments for a cache of paintings like that Isn't is that? a place with the resources to care for them? It should have gone in the National Gallery. It would make more sense. Whatever. But, but they're I, like, well, we don't fucking care. So what? If it went to the National Gallery, she would make the exact same complaint against them. It doesn't matter which major institution it went to. Her problem was that it all went to one place. Because her suggestion was, well, the foundation should have just um, uh, sent these to many different museums around the country. And it's like, uh, okay. Maybe, but do you understand how logistically complicated That'd that be is? A cluster fucking, and half. how also perhaps the uh, legacy of the artist involved might not be maintained by sending them to Toledo, or whatever the fuck. Like, who knows what his wishes were? Who right. knows what this means to the family? You're not even thinking about any of that, right? And why? My main point is. Why would you not want them to just be sent to a place where they could be cared for and preserved forever, regardless of the merits of the artist involved? Let's say you really hate the guy. Uh, uh, let's say they did something really bad, like Balthus or Picasso, for that matter. You're going to say, well, actually, we should just not do that? Like, I mean, there's the always... The other option every is... Every four years, there's a call for that girl, the, the girl, like, spread, spread eagle on the stool to be taken down at the Met, and they're like, nope, it's our good one. Well, and it's like, you don't even have to bend over that backwards to just be like, listen, the morality of an ar- of art and the artist can just be separated from its value, right? Well, like, separated, but also like, who cares? They're dead. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Because the other option is, sure, she gives all those paintings to Hauser and Wirth, and they end up on a super yacht in the Mediterranean, and no one ever gets to see them again. Then it's a trading card. So your like, fatuous assumption that these are just going to be sent around the country to like every regional museum gets two or whatever... Silly, just never gonna happen. Yeah, you don't think that those museums are also like chomping at the bit to be like, "Ooh, we got Augustine that we can sell in about fifteen years." Well, Sick. exactly. You never know what their policies toward deaccessioning are. Most of those things are gonna end up in private hands if you do that. Yeah. 
basically there's like six museums in the whole country you can send things to where you know they're going to stay there. And it's like sort of insane that you would argue against that for an artist of that importance. And Gustin's not even really my bag. But not my bag. Cl- but clearly his work is important. I I agree that it is. I like a lot of his later stuff. I think especially the like KKK and political drawings are interesting. Yeah. They should be kept. They're cool and they anticipate a lot of other stuff. They're not my taste. I don't I'm not influenced by them, but I can admit that. So I just find it nuts that you're Faking the argument that this is taking up space for other people when it's not has nothing to do with that. Taking up what storage space? What the? F- because it's not as if their acquisition budget is at all impacted by a donation. No. And it, and as if their storage is a fucking problem. The Met. They have tens of thousands of objects, probably hundreds of thousands. They're they're fine. Three hundred is a drop in the bucket. Most of which are drawings, by the way. Got they're, a flat file you can stick those in. Yeah. Like what the hell? And the idea that, like, his prominence in the museum, because there's going to be 12 of his paintings in there, somehow overshadows anybody else's anything. I just find it all so ridiculous. There's still that fucking horse thing that's hanging, that hasn't come down, the Charles Ray horse. Well, it's heavy, man, you know? Yeah. And it's going to take a lot of work, and the unionized art handlers need to get there. Those unionized... 15, 30, and 15. Well, they I mean? need to, like, get it together and take down fucking epic abstraction. Maybe they'll have to put up a fucking, you know, what's his name? Augustine. I forgot his name. That's how important he is in my head canon. <laughs> um, you know, like maybe shuffle some shit around and stop like taking the saws all to the room with, you know, the portrait of the lesbian. What you know, the Picasso. I have no what, clue what you're fucking talking about, man. Not the portrait of Alice B. Toklas, what Gertrude Stein. Gertrude Stein. Yeah. yeah, sure. That room's closed. I'm like, excuse me. There's things in there. That's the basement of boring. Where they're like, we just close that sometimes because no one comes down here anyway. No, that's in the second floor. And the weird carpeting gives a strange sense no, of humidity. That's that downstairs. That's likes. different. No, no, no. No, oh, okay. that's upstairs. Anyways. That's where the um the Please get your thoughts together. Who's the, the, you know, the, the maids in the wheat fields, the Frenchman? <laughs> the maids in the wheat fields, Frenchman? Yeah. What are you talking about? P, Describe it not, more. Is it Poussin? No. That's Nikki P. What the fuck are you <laughs> talking about, Will? Brain is no work. In uh, Farewell to an Idea. You know, he's talking about it a lot. The broads in the the broads in the wheat fields. <laughs> oh my god, this is maddening. I can't imagine what this is like to listen to third hand because I'm having a really hard time right now. You know, the broads in the field. It, more information. You keep saying that. Uh, it's in the room. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the room. There's five paintings of like downtown Paris, and then the wheat fields are on the right. <laughs> what era of art are we talking about now? Eighteen thirty. Oh my God! Is it a Courbet? Is it a no. Delacroix? Is it a uh, Pouvie? No, those are in the hallway. Oh my God! This isn't worth looking up. Right here. Hold on. We're we're breaking up books. The broads, the broads in the thing. A Pissarro. Oh my God! What? Okay, what was even the point of that? Now I can't remember. That's the room that was closed. <laughs> Oh my god, Will. Holy shit. My brain no worky, okay? All I wanted to do was come on this podcast and complain about Roberta Smith. 
and now you're hung up on what room something was in. Listen, you can tism all day long about, you know, macroeconomic shenanigans for your sports betting for for calls and puts. <laughs> you know, I can tis, tism out about, you know, broads in a field. You know, the difference is that somebody with the tism, like, actually remembers the frivolous information and is able to <laughs> access it really readily. Mine just focuses without having to stammer around for. Mine about five focuses minutes. on. I know the image in my head so clearly, <laughs> and the you know it's got that like scratchy frame. So my brain is like, just get to the words, get to the words, and I'm like, no, 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 I can't get to the words. Got to oh, see the picture. Boy. We call that downs. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god, what Any, a disaster. Anywho. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you also saw another show that I didn't see. I did. I saw the Jules Olitsky 100 Paintings, 100 Years, a retrospective. How many paintings were in that show, the actually? glorified uh, Schlock Gallery Yaris art. Mm-hmm. Although I really enjoyed it there. I had a don't really nice shit. time. Don't talk shit. They're going to give you something for free, maybe. I don't know if they are. They probably aren't. Probably not, because no. it hasn't showed up yet, but I'll get there. Yeah, so I, I love Jules Olitsky. I love him. I'm I'm fascinated by him in an autistic way where I'm like, this guy, his paintings are not very good, but I like them. A lot. Uh-huh. And I like him as a figure because he carries a dog around while he's drunk. You know, he's the just... The poofiest dog in the entire world. He's just an interesting guy to me in history. I described it, I think, a little bit on our after show last time. Sure. Where I was like, that period of time is fascinating to me because you have all these artists that were like the hottest shit in the world. Like, in every sense. Not in the trendy, like, uh, economic sense that we think about it now. They were that. They were hot in the market, but they were also like art historically important. Jules Olitsky had a Met retrospective in his 40s in 1968. I think they pulled the trigger too early on that one. They may, ha- they may have. But the thing was that this movement of art, color field painting or third generation abstract expressionism, whatever you want to call it, um, was... We were action painters, you see. Yeah, was hyper-dominant. And then fell off the map and like nobody even knows these people's names now. Mm, yeah. For the most part. Yeah. So I went to this show and you're correct. There was only about 30 some paintings in the show, which is considerable though. I think the only other major Olitsky show I can think of was at the Toledo Museum of Art about 10 years ago. They did a retrospective and it had less paintings than this gallery show did. Wow. So exciting. You to mean see. Toledo's not worth going to? The only Olitsky painting I can recall that I've seen regularly is at the Cleveland Museum of Art. They have a That's narrow, little vertical one. Yeah. Um, and I've probably seen four or five in real life other than that. I'm not talking about like Kasman shows of new work. I'm trying to think of like iconic spray color field Olitskis. One. Very yeah. rare. Yeah. Maybe the National Gallery of Art had one one time. I remember seeing a big one at one point, but anyway. So I was excited to see this, and I went there, and I saw it, and it was cool. Um, Works from all different periods. There's an incredible amount of technical diversity in a way that I didn't expect, because for those that don't know, Jules Olitsky is famous for using a spray gun to make color field paintings. Um, But that's actually very little of his output. Even during that era, he was using a lot of different implements to make paintings with a similar effect. A lot of splatters, a lot of rolls. Yeah, the the some of the my favorite paintings in the show were ones that in photographs I always thought were spray paintings with fine gradients that are actually made with transparent layers and a roller that are much more uh, luminous looking and materially interesting in person. Hmm. 
Um, he also, I mean, he did a lot of When's stuff with Palette Knives, uh, February 11th. Oh, I can see that. It's worth, it's worth checking out. I really do think so. First of all, because you'll ha- have a nice viewing experience. Because no one's there. Chances are no one's going to be there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the gallery is actually really nice. Um, it's two ginormous spaces. What street? It is on, oh God. It's on Fifth Avenue at like fifty seventh. It's like across from that Apple store that's underground. Oh, so I can go to Uniqlo and then mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, great. You know, I need other things to go to that part of town. But yeah, this gallery was weird because um they don't have much of a reputation in New York because they just opened up in like twenty sixteen, I think. And then of course pandemic times put them under or whatever. Not put them under, but kept them off the radar. And they were based in New Mexico, still are, but have been based there for a really long time. So I don't think they have a reputation in New York that is commensurate with their actual experience. Hmm. And they hyper-focus on... A niche. Well, on this era, on the color field painters. But they represent Frank Stella. They represent Larry Poons. Represent or have inventory. I really want that No, clarifier. no, they represent. They're hmm. doing his next show of new work in New York. Frank Stella is at this gallery. I mean, I would imagine that Stella is one of these artists with a reputation where they don't really have a gallery. Lots of people represent them because they choose to show wherever they want and wherever they well, can, and yeah. wherever, wherever they can, they can scrounge money, it up. Yeah, you know. But anyway, they they have a lot of reputable names there, and the shows I saw on their website that they did in the past are good. Like they did a Larry Poons and Frank Stella show that was interesting and cool. He's and still alive, right? Price of everything. Poons is still alive, yeah. He's and popping uh, around his had little... a lot of like good work in it. Whether it's inventory from you know nearly dead guys or whether it's borrowed things. I mean, I asked the registrar because I ended up getting in a conversation because I was the only person there. Well, with the over friendly employee there because they're bored, bored as shit, alone yeah. in a room all day about this show, and I asked like, hey, so where's all this stuff from? Like, I've never seen this many Olitskis in one place. Did you like? get loans and stuff and she was like well we loaned uh, a a few prime examples in but most of them are just from the estate and i was like oh that's interesting she's like all these paintings are available if you're like interested i could get you in touch with a dealer and i was like why would she look at you and be like this guy's gonna buy who knows man that's why she's a registrar you know yeah she's a registrar i've got my you know parisian coat on i'm a handsome gentleman you never know if i'm a crypto millionaire I get, yeah, I or mean, something. Yeah, you look like you could hunch over at a desk all day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, but so I'm like, no, I'm an art handler. I, I'm positive they're out of my range, but thank you. So anyway. like, do you accept Klarna? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you? Yeah, they actually might there. I mean, who knows? That's true. Four I, easy payments. Four four easy payments of what, like fifty thousand dollars or yeah. something? Yeah, they're definitely not. I think the most expensive paintings in there are probably about a hundred thousand dollars. I honestly think Jules Olitsky's market yeah. is non-existent, yeah. basically. They're desperate, probably, to sell anything. If they had prints or drawings in there, I would have made them an offer, but they didn't. None of these paintings would fit drawings. in here, yeah. you know? Anyway, so I'm talking to her for a while, you know, just just rapping, because I'm like, oh, these are cool. You know, I'm a big fan. I, you know, nobody even Why knows who this guy is. List? She was asked, she offered sales. Just be like, oh, you know what? I'll take a look at the price list. Just because I can ballpark it and I'm not 
it's not that interesting to me. This is something you I, would ask. I love that because you yeah. like seeing the raw numbers. I love the numbers. Yeah. I got I got to drill down at the end of the day. You know? I don't really care. I know they're all between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars. I just know that. Mm. There's just no way around it. I'm positive that's true. So it doesn't really matter to me. Anyway, but I'm talking to this registrar, and she's really nice. And, you know, we're talking about, oh, we, you just got the catalog published today. And I'm like, oh, cool. Let me look through it. Nice catalog. I'm asking, am I missing anything? Because there's supposed to be 100 paintings here, but I only got these two rooms. I don't, where is it? And she's like, actually, our gallery in New Mexico is doing 30 more. And then we had all the rest at art fairs all year. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's one of those things. But I look through the catalog, and it's really nice. And it, suddenly it comes out that the whole time... Jules Olitsky's family has also been in the gallery. Meanwhile, I have been very, in a passive way, rude to this other group of people because I'm like, I expected to come to the Schlock Gallery and have a very private experience, which I almost got yeah. if it wasn't for you damn kids. You know? Well, yeah. And it was, you know, a group of maybe five or six adults and three or four very young children you know, racing their Hot Wheels on the floor, screaming and crying, running around. And they have two separate spaces, so I kept trying to migrate to the other space where they weren't, and then they would sort of wander in and start making noise, and I would go back to the other one, and then they'd kind of inadvertently follow me back. And this whole time, I'm side-eyeing them, like, will you please Handle shut your children. up yeah. the, the little animals? For God's sake, it echoes in here. Yeah. And then I find out that it's Jules Olitsky's family, and that they're just hanging out holding court because nobody's coming to this to and yeah. they got nothing else to do. Yeah. And the registrar's like, do you want to meet them? And I was like, yeah, sure. sure. So I got introduced to only one of them, really. The rest of them were standing there, but it was just sort of a hi. Um, I think her name was Lisa. It was either Lisa or Linda. It was Jules Olitsky's daughter, who's the manager of the estate. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I said a quick hello and that I was a fan of her dad and she was nice ish and enthusiastic that like a young ish person right like i can't even call myself any that anymore i had that realization in the moment where i was like isn't this nice for them that a young person's interested and they're like this creepy adult man this middle-aged man like like, like, but hey that's the best we've done in decades i mean it's not a one of the fucking golden girls of the upper east side going like i got my walker and my helper here so i can look at stuff no, she seemed genuinely surprised that like someone knew who it was, right? That they that I knew who the show was, that I knew about the work, that you sought it out, yeah, that I came on purpose, yeah. It was like genuinely surprising, but she was a little cold. I did, you know, Whatever. it just was yeah. what it was. But at the end of the day, she uh, was like, "Oh, you like the catalog?" And I was like, "Yeah, I love the catalog. It's really cool." And she was like, "Why don't you give him a catalog?" And so the registrar was like, "Uh." Okay, and was really sheepish about it because earlier she wants to sell you stuff, but then can't give you a free catalog. What the fuck, man? Come on. I know because earlier when we were looking at the catalog privately, I asked how much it was, and she said seventy five dollars, and I went, "Ooh, I'm gonna be out all night, so I don't want to put it in my bag and ruin it. I'd like to think about it. Maybe I'll uh, come back." Which is just a way of saying you shouldn't have said think about it. You should have been like, "I'm gonna be out all night. Is there any way you could send it to me?" Well, that's what I did later. No, no, no. You do it in one breath. You, you well, up. I got oh. the in. I got the in. When I got the in from the daughter that was like, oh, why don't you give him a catalog or whatever? She was like, oh, you're going to be out. So uh, why don't I take your address? So I gave it to her. But I have a feeling that ended up in the 
trash can trash pile because yeah. I've yet to receive one mm. and I've got no contact from them at all. No. Wow. Yeah. Not even a card like a thanks for stopping by. No. But you would think, yeah, you would think they would just bite the bullet on a free catalog for such an enthusiastic fan, but hey. I was told, when again, when I was in my 20s, you know, by a gallerist, I was like, oh, yeah, can I buy this catalog? Oh, sweetie, just take it. You're too young to pay for catalogs. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. I mean, what do they care? You already spent the money on making this thing. You really think you're going to make your money back on your Jules Olitsky catalog? Yeah. Because no. I got news for you. Those are going to sit in... They're going to get dusty. Oh, and oh, then they're going to get real dusty and fingerprinty at the bins at Strand. Oh, those are going to sit in a Cube Smart for about <laughs> 50 years until that gallery goes out of business. 15. And Five. it ends up on Storage Wars, and some hick is like, what the hell are these goddamn pictures? You know? Oh, honestly, that's Worthless a great books. grift. Someone's like, book storage, and you're just like, give me. Five bucks, please. Yeah. I'll sort that shit out. I mean, that's why they do it, but hey, you know. Mm. So we'll see. We'll see if the catalog shows up. But anyway, the Jules Olitsky show, I liked. I, mm. The thing is, I I don't even know what to say about it because I just have an odd fascination with it. I can't even claim that these works are good or worth seeing. If you're not already invested in this, this last 25 minutes have been pointless. It's the kind of thing where but, it's like, if you know, sure, go see it. Mm-hmm. Is it going to kill you if you don't? No, probably not. No, definitely not. If, you, if you're not fascinated by Clement Greenberg, I would recommend that you don't bore yourself to death with the trip but anyway that could be why it's kind of funny you're just like what the fuck are these you know and then you have to like contain your glee at going like whoo that's rough yeah hmm. you know a lot of tiny moments add up to your life you know what i mean so if you're not from the midwest and a product of divorce and a particularly harsh professor in the early 2000s you're not going to like these paintings. <laughs> Only one of those things, two of those things. So, yeah, they don't really hit in the same way. So, you know, doesn't really do anything. Um, mm-hmm. I am intrigued. I apparently have. There's a Felix show up. But yeah, everyone's not that got happy. a negative review not, from the Manhattan Art Review. Yeah, no one's happy about it. You want to you want to switch over the after show and talk about Felix because you got to get up early and I do too and it's we're way over time here. Oh yeah, wrap it up. Okay, wrap it up. All right, we'll see you on the page.